You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And the topic of our podcast today is working the 12 steps for codependency. Although I've been involved in doing some kind of recovery for codependency throughout my adult life, I've never committed to a 12-step program, attended meetings on a committed regular basis, or truly committed to a recovery program. I've read books, I've studied, I've helped others and helped myself, but I felt it was time that I gave the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of codependency a serious commitment so that I can better help myself and others in this program. As I put my toes in the water and I start to really feel into this program, I'm looking at it with new eyes. And I'm really excited about the journey ahead, which is why I have also decided to share this journey with you, inviting you and anyone who identifies as codependent to join me in joining a 12-step program and working the 12 steps through the workbook called The 12 Steps and the 12 Traditions. This is a green workbook that can be purchased on Amazon. I recommend the actual hard copy rather than a digital version because it's also a journal in which you can write down your answers to the questions that are asked in this program. Although I've had an amazing recovery from codependency in my life, I have to agree that we are recovered but never cured which means that recovery is a lifelong commitment that if we let go of this commitment or consider ourselves cured, we're vulnerable for a relapse. We can go back to codependent behaviors or forget the importance of creating a healthy environment where we can thrive. I've had some clients who resist the idea that they might be codependent because codependency is on a spectrum. We can be really, really codependent to where our lives are completely unmanageable, or we can have areas of our lives where we are codependent, which can cause us a lot of pain and trauma. Codependency is often quite misunderstood. I've heard people use this term in ways that really don't describe what it is. For example, someone who's really dependent on others for everything and can't be alone are often considered codependent when they might actually be what's called a dependent personality. Yet many codependents are very independent people who are fine with being alone. They might like to be alone. They might even thrive when they're alone. But their codependency might show up in their most intimate relationships. Some codependents can't be alone, but 
many do very well alone. And that was me. I I do really well when I'm alone. I'm, I can thrive. I can have a really rich life, lots of really good friends, a lot of healthy relationships. But often when I enter relationships with significant others, that's where my codependency shows up. Although the definition of codependency is not simple, there's many facets of it. And the deeper you go into the understanding of codependency, the more you'll be able to recognize codependent traits in yourselves that may be causing you a lot of pain, insecurity, trauma, instability, and unmanageability in your life. In my personal journey, I've recognized all the ways in which I've grown. I've developed much stronger boundaries. I've let go of a lot of people-pleasing behaviors. I've cut most of the toxic people out of my life. I've worked to create loving, harmonious relationships with friends and family of choice. I've learned to really take care of myself. I've developed a strong sense of honesty and openness in my relationships. I've learned to make amends to those I've hurt, be accountable, and be respectful to others. However, in my last relationship, I recognized where I still needed to heal. I allowed myself to stay too long in a relationship that wasn't healthy for me because I loved him and I wanted it to work. But it wasn't working and I was suffering as a result. I had to let that relationship go even though I didn't want to. I had to stop trying to take care of him and focus back on taking care of me. I had to stop trying to fix, heal, and rehabilitate him. Instead, look at where I needed to heal and recover. I had to set really strong boundaries and hold firm to them even when I wanted to remain connected. I had to look at how his behavior towards me was causing my core shame to be triggered again and again. I came to the conclusion that I would never be enough for him, but I had to be enough for me. I had to look at how I was still valuable as a human being, even though I felt devalued in my relationship. I had to let go when I wanted to hold on. I had to take responsibility for my choices, even though I wanted to blame him for not being what I wanted and needed him to be. I had to let go of controlling outcomes and surrender to the will of a higher power. In the pain of the aftermath of my dreams coming crashing down around me, I picked up the 12-step book and started working the 12 steps. And I joined a 12-step CODA recovery group and a study group for the 12 steps. There was a part of me in denial that I was still codependent after all these years. But this is true for all codependents. We heal, we get better. We create healthy relationships with others, but we also have the capacity to get involved in relationships where old family dynamics play out, and we need to understand why we find ourselves attracted into such dynamics. Narcissistically abusive relationships are a really good example. 
This is a type of relationship where the person who is with a narcissist, usually the codependent, is frequently judged, criticized, shamed, blamed, and devalued. As a codependent, our tendency is to try and get that person to see the good in us, to value us, to really love us. But since the narcissist is projecting his or her own unhealed shame, self-loathing, self-judgment, and lack of worthiness onto us, it really doesn't have anything to do with us. The narcissist is acting out from his or her own unhealedness. Instead of focusing on how we can get the narcissist to see us, value us, and love us, we need to see ourselves, value, and love ourselves. Instead of trying to get the narcissist to be accountable, to change and be the person we believed them to be initially, we need to surrender and allow the narcissist to be exactly who he or she is. We then need to remove our focus from that person and return it back to ourselves. Our healing is not out there. It's within ourselves. So as we approach step one, we say this. We admitted we were powerless over others and that our lives had become unmanageable. When we find ourselves focused on the other person, whether it be a narcissist, an addict, or even someone who's normal and healthy, we become obsessed with that person and unable to bring our focus back to where the real healing is within ourselves. Many of the YouTube videos out there around narcissistic abuse are directed to the codependent, not necessarily to foster healing, but to feed their obsession with the narcissist. So many videos are about why does the narcissist do this or do that, or what's really going on inside of the narcissistic mind. Although understanding the limitations of a narcissistic person can be helpful for our healing, it doesn't encourage us to return home to ourselves where the true healing is. Our admitting that we are powerless over others is to admit we're powerless over the narcissist or the addict in our lives. We have no power to change them. And the more we focus on them, obsess about what they're doing or not doing, watch videos about their character, wait for the Hoover, or whatever we do, we're in a state of unmanageability our lives begin to feel out of control. On some level, we're still looking to the person who can't love us to love us. The person who can't value us to value us and find us worthy. This may mimic a childhood dynamic of trying to get the love, affection, and attention from an unavailable parent but we still live in the same frustration of trying to get a need met from someone who's incapable of meeting that need. 
Our lives can spin out of control very rapidly when we're in the dynamic of investing so much of our time, energy, and attention trying to get a need met from someone who's incapable of meeting it. So it's important to recognize our powerlessness over the narcissist or the addict. We didn't cause it, we can't control it, and we can't cure it in the other. The only thing we can do is surrender and allow it to be what it is. If a narcissistic person leaves his or her relationship with you and immediately enters another relationship, this is about them, not you. It's their own inability to cope with their lives. It's their own terrific fear of being alone, their fear of abandonment. It's their own need for someone to validate them on a daily basis. It's their own need to prove their worthiness to themselves and others by showing the world that the relationship issues aren't their fault because they can move right into another relationship, no problem. They can move on quickly while you are the one in pain, agony, trauma, and a state of unmanageability. We need to accept that we are the ones in pain, agony, trauma, and that our lives have become unmanageable as a result. We can't compare ourselves to a narcissist because we're not really cut out of the same cloth, even though we might share the same core wounds. We don't have the same ability to immediately transfer our attentions and affections to another person because our bonds of love are much deeper. We're more connected. We feel the pain on a whole different level. We're most likely much closer to our pain and we deal with it differently. So we will not be able to relate to a narcissist. We won't be able to understand him or her, which might be very different from when we first connected with that person and felt so deeply bonded. We have to accept that the bond we felt was real and true for us, but it wasn't the same for the narcissist. It was a trauma bond, and the narcissist uses that bond to extract attention and energy from you and without any real investment in you or the relationship with you. You are the one who is invested, probably much too invested. So it's deeply, deeply painful when the narcissist withdraws all love and attention to you and transfers it to someone else with the same casualty of transferring funds from one bank account to another. In recovery, you need to realize that this really isn't about you and your worthiness. Yes, this person has devalued you, reduced you to a zero, but this doesn't mean that you are a zero. On the contrary, and this is where your work is. You are powerless over how that person sees you. But where your power is, is how you see yourself. 
The 12-step program is an opportunity to learn to value yourself and realize that the actions and behaviors of others has nothing to do with your value. Once again, it is about how their relationships with themselves are and their own value. So this brings us to step two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The 12 steps and the 12 traditions is a spiritual process of sorts. It's not religious and there's no dogma. Your higher power is personal to you. Whatever your own understanding of a higher power is, if it works for you, it's good enough. The understanding is that you, of your own self, can't manage your healing. You need help from something greater than yourselves. So we seek spiritual guidance from an energy that can restore us to sanity. We can't make ourselves our higher power, nor can we make others our higher power. And this is what we often do. We often give this power to that narcissistic person, wanting them to restore us to sanity. And that's not going to work. In our dysfunctional upbringing, we learn coping mechanisms that allowed us to survive as a child, but surviving is no longer good enough for us. We want to thrive. And so old coping mechanisms no longer work in our lives. It's our old coping mechanisms that have resulted in our lives becoming unmanageable. So we need to recognize our own limitations When we come from dysfunction, we have no role models or experiences of healthy, functional relationships. The whole codependency recovery process is about developing healthy, functional relationships with others. Anyone who's committed to having healthy relationships can benefit from this process, even if you don't identify as a codependent. Many people in other 12-step programs, such as Alcoholics Anonymous, also find themselves in CODA, working on their relationships with self and others. I've heard a psychologist recently talk about how the 12 steps really changed her life and she doesn't identify as an addict or a codependent. Learning to release control over others is powerful regardless. Learning to accept life as it is, is talked about by the most recognized spiritual teachers and healers. Turning our lives over to a higher power is also seen as key to spiritual growth as well as to the recovery process. We learn to really listen to the still small voice within and allow ourselves to be guided and directed by this power. We begin to develop a trust that this power greater than ourselves will help us to heal and manage our lives at a much higher capacity. Now, many functioning codependents may not see their lives as unmanageable because they've got control over every detail of their lives. It may appear that they're functioning well and managing their lives just fine. But this may be an external thing rather than an internal thing. 
One may have the appearance of having it all together, yet inside they're hurting, suffering, obsessing, depressed, and feeling out of control. So the outside may seem very well managed, but the inside is falling apart. Recovery is about focusing on the inner realm, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, and everything going on inside of us. Many codependents have childhood post-traumatic stress that we call CPTSD, which is also referred to as complex post-traumatic stress. When the CPTSD is active, it results in a great deal of anxiety, fear, insecurity, dissociation, dysregulation, disharmony, mistrust, and other symptoms coming from that initial trauma. In toxic relationships, this trauma is reactivated and coping becomes very difficult for most. This is where we find that our lives have become unmanageable. The 12-step program can help with CPTSD as we learn to deal with the toxic thoughts and beliefs that keep us in a state of unmanageability. With CPTSD, we're small children in adult bodies who don't know how to cope with the unhealthy dynamics we find ourselves in. We react to others with fear, mistrust, and even acting out from our trauma. As we go deeper into our recovery, we learn that some people are not trustworthy, and others are. And we learn how to build relationships with people who are trustworthy and safe. We learn how to draw healthy boundaries, be honest about how we feel and what we need, because we learn to let go of relationships where our boundaries, our needs, and our truth are not recognized, respected, or valued. We form relationships with people who can see us, respect us, and value us. The 12-step programs are based on a group consciousness that has been proven to help us to overcome our addictions to people, to substances, to behaviors, and to a way of being in the world that may have served us as children trying to survive, but no longer serve us as adults seeking to thrive. So if you're interested in joining a 12-step program for your own recovery, I'll be talking about what I'm learning from my own journey through the 12 steps and sharing some of my experiences in my own recovery process. You may find these podcasts helpful in your own recovery. So you can find 12-step programs in your area by visiting the CODA website at coda.org. If you're not active in the 12 steps, you can still get a lot of value from these talks that I'm doing. However, I find myself referring more of my clients to 12-step recovery programs because they're a great adjunct to counseling, coaching, and hypnotherapy. They give you a roadmap that you can work between sessions 
and also a community of people who are recovering and invested in the unity of the group consciousness that we're a part of. If you're seeking one-on-one -on -one support, I do offer spiritual counseling, coaching, and hypnotherapy to assist you in your journey of recovery. If you want to stop simply trying to survive and find a way to thrive, tap into this work and let it help you to heal, recover, and be the person you know deep inside that you've come here to be. You can find out more about my work with narcissistic abuse and recovery at NarcissismFree.com and also PathBackToSelf.com. Thank you so much for being with me today and I will see you in the next podcast.